We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're good? Yeah. Cool. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Uh, As you can tell by the audio, we are all... uh, on computers today because there's a fucking snowstorm outside snowstorm and it's ridiculous. A, snowstorm is a understatement. It's a blizzard. What are they calling it? A cyclone bomb or a bomb something? No, no bomb or something like that? Yeah, some, some sort of bomb. I'm like, I've never even heard this fucking term before. Because it does. I don't know what the hell it is. It never existed before now. It is. It's fucked up. It's ridiculous. And for all you people that are not from New York that are tweeting, oh my God, I wish I had snow or I've never experienced snow. Snow is dope when you're like up until 16 or 17 when you're still in high school and like you still get snow days. I know Tim's excited. He had a snow day today. Yeah. Hell yeah, I did. (laughs) But once like you, you know, once you have a house and you have to shovel and your parents are about to pass out with every just swipe of snow that they're getting off the ground and you have to literally do everything it sucks it's brutal everything's closed so damn cold out yeah it's pretty awful it's just me here too i gotta i gotta shovel i don't got no help my girl's gonna help me that's gonna be my help she's a a beast of shoveling though i mean i live in an apartment so i don't have to do any of this (laughs) yo i saw not one like yo joey remember we used to gather up everybody and we used to go like seven eight deep and shovel the shit out of houses and make yeah, like bro, 20 we bucks come home with like a, yeah we come home with like fucking 200 dollars each each yo it was yeah, crazy we we going, that. yo we were going to town and i didn't see not one 12 13 year old kid to be like yo here's 20 bucks actually nah the here comes a little flex but the driveway is huge so i'd be like yo here's like 50 bucks to clean up because this shit is whack and we have a snowblower by the way but for some reason, we haven't gotten it fixed since last year. So now it's just bedtime. I yeah. think they'll be, they'll be out. It's still early. I'm still getting pounded by the snow here. I, like, I can't see out my front windows at all. Yeah, I can't see out of my windows either. It's wild. But, yo, 
real quick, a hustle for you if you're in New York City and or you're anywhere where it's snowing right now, here's what you got to do, okay? You don't ask to shovel shit. You just shovel that bitch, and you go to the front door like, yo, I did this. What's good? <laughs> a little risky awesome. move because they could be like, yo, get out of here. But nah. you also could just feel like, yo, all right, here's the 40 spot. <laughs> yo, you're – you're playing with fire there, man. I agree. So, I know. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to do that. I used to go up and ask for a, a low amount of money, and then they used to feel bad for me and then give me more money. Wow, that's even dumber than mine. Yeah, yeah that's pretty bad. Now, I would say the price. I'd look at the, I'd be like, yo, you want us to shovel your driveway and your steps? They'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, all right, 40 bucks. And then, bang. Yo, when there's, like, yeah, when, there's like, yo, when there's like five, six of you, you get it done in like 10 minutes. It's ridiculous. But yo, I remember one time we went shoveling and it was like near your old house and we shoveled this big ass driveway. This dude gave us 10 bucks. I was sick. Yeah. And then after that, that's when we were like, yo, we got to start naming a price. We can't just go in there and be like, yo, can we shovel your yard? Yeah. And not know what we're, how much we're shoveling yeah, for because it was a joke. You live and you learn, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, yo, one real quick fucked up story that happened to me. I don't like chocolate. I don't know if you guys know that, but. Yo, me neither. Wow. Big, yeah, big like I'll throw up if I take some chocolate down. Right, so I I go we we're shoveling, shoveling this old lady's driveway by my boy Sal's house, and yo we were little kids we were like twelve years old we charged four dollars a person because we didn't know what money was right big ass driveway so she's like all right here's your four dollars you want to come inside for hot chocolate and and I'm like I'm like I don't really like chocolate she's like oh okay you two come inside you stay outside. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I literally stayed outside in the snow, freezing my dick off while these two stayed inside and, and drank some old lady's hot chocolate. <laughs> First of all, this sounds like Hansel and Gretel. Like, I would have right? never went in this woman's house. Yo, Second the whole of all, that's hilarious. About, the whole town was thinking about, like, what if they're being murdered right now? Yeah. Yeah. I was just, <laughs> she was like, you stay outside? Like, bitch, it's freezing out here. Like, let me get inside. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, she just didn't let me in. And they weren't murdered. And they were really happy when they got outside. And they laughed at me extensively. That's great. Um, all right, let's talk about sports real quick before we get to our actual show. Let's, I wanted to talk about the UCF uh, football team that claims that they won a national championship and they're going to raise a banner and like have a parade or some shit. Like, how do you guys feel about this? Because am I alone in thinking that this is ridiculous? I think that – so I, I feel like they're making a joke out of it, to be honest with you. Like, it's kind of because they went undefeated and they didn't get a chance at the college football playoff. And their big takeaway and their claim to fame is that they beat a team that beat both teams that are going to be in the national championship. They beat Auburn. Well, UCF beat Auburn, and then Auburn beat both Georgia and Alabama, who were the number one team in the country at the time. So I think it's just some funny shit to, like, get people excited about. I don't know. I mean, also, could you argue that Auburn was just kind of like, fuck this game <laughs> because they couldn't get in? Yeah, I think so. I think you could make that argument. Uh, we've seen it in the past where, like, these, you know, last year, Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, they didn't play when their team was outed of the college football playoff. They played in, like, the Capital One Bowl or uh, the, the, the New York Times Bowl or whatever bowls are out there. Yeah. And We've said it in the past how we all feel the same way for the most part that if you're not playing one of these, you know, the, the final four, I'm not opposed to you sitting out in this game. 
You know, you know why this, you know why it's whack. You know why this is like super whack on USC's US UCF's part. Excuse me. It's because two reasons. Number one, you're not the national champion. Sorry, fellas. You went to UCF. When you went to UCF, you realized that you were playing in the fucking American, fucking not as good conference or whatever the fuck you call your conference. And you, you, all right. So you beat a couple of ranked teams, and you did this, you did that. That's good. You're not the national champion, so don't raise a national champion banner. If you want to have a celebration and a party and a march, that's fine. Do that shit. But this turns the conversation around. Like, I feel bad for the kids because the kids, they earn this shit. They, they, they earn their Peach Bowl victory. They earn an undefeated season. They earn their conference title. And this is all good. And you should hang banners for all those things because those are great accomplishments. But now everyone is talking about, like, this is why UCF is not the national champion. Instead of saying, like, the good things about UCF. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but they kind of brought yeah. that on themselves. Exactly. That's why it's whack. Like, you turn the conversation. And, you know, these, these coaches, although at UCF, uh, the school's going to pay them national championship bonuses. Mm-hmm. Wait, you heard what? about that? Yeah, they're, they're getting paid their national championship bonuses. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? And the, uh-huh. and the head coach, Scott Frost, is actually leaving on a super high note. He's taking the job over in Nebraska. So just add that to the money he's going to be getting from the Big Ten for being a coach over there. I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous, dude. This is ridiculous. Like, I, I, I know you beat Auburn, but you also beat Auburn after they found out we're not going to play for the national championship. Why do I give a fuck anymore? Yeah, you also beat Auburn after they laid an egg in the SEC title game, too. Like, if they won the title game, it would be a little different. A deflated, defeated team that has nothing to play for. We win the Peach Bowl. Who cares? We're Auburn. We play for the national championship. We don't play for this bowl game like fucking UCF does. Like, this is our championship. I think you got to show them love, though, man. Like, Auburn didn't rest anybody. Everybody that was a starter for them played in that game. But, yo, you have to take into account that, yes, they beat them. Good job, whatever. But if they're, like – argument is like yo we beat auburn it's like yeah you beat auburn after they found out like after they lost in, in the title game and they found that they're not going to the national championship that is a defeated team like yes you have to play in that game still because you have to like you know you can't be a bitch and just roll over but like at the same time how good is ucf really we have this argument all the time about which team should be in which team should not be in is ucf really one of these teams that we think is gonna, is gonna beat alabama or beat georgia I mean, look, they did beat an opponent that beat those teams, though, and, like, rather right, convincingly, When did too. they beat them? And how good is a four-loss team? Yeah, I kind of just want to show love to UCF, though. That's the thing. No, they, absolutely. They had, they had some impressive wins, too, for, like, the team. Look, they play who's on their schedule. Granted, for the most part, you do make your schedule, too. Like, their out-of-conference game that they scheduled this year was against Maryland. And this is, like, a really poor Maryland team this year at the bottom of the Big Ten. And, you know, they beat them convincingly. But that's still a game we got to travel on the road. They, they beat the shit out of Cincinnati. Um, they ended Navy's undefeated streak at home, whatever you want to make of that. Navy, I think, had won, like, 27 straight games at home. And then they beat, they beat Memphis twice. So, I don't know. I kind of they, – they were, like, up the whole game against Auburn, too. They were dominating them. Yeah, they were. So I think the coolest thing is that you guys happen to see uh, Griffin, the defensive end. He got voted game of the match. Uh, um, player of the game. <laughs> game of the match. <laughs> player, player of the game. And uh, this dude, his brother, is actually uh, 
Shaq Griffin on the Seattle Seahawks. And this dude, if you guys don't know his story, he doesn't have like a hand. Like he doesn't have any fingers or any like palm or anything. And dude, he was, uh, you know, they uh, under recruited. He was like a two star athlete came in and he had like three tackles for loss. I think he had double digit sacks this year. And a lot of people are going to be hesitant to draft him. But, you know, he didn't get invited to the combine. And uh, Shaq Griffin came out and it's like, yo, it's a joke. Like people are looking into that too much because this kid was dominant. So I don't know. I think that's a pretty cool uh, feel good story there, too, with him. Bro, JPP doesn't have a hand either. <laughs> that's that's mad true, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's more, like, come on. This kid's fucking filthy. Get him a fucking combine at least. Yeah, I'm sure he'll find his way onto, like, one of those regional combines. So, like, the big combine that we see on TV, that's a national combine. But there's a lot of other combines on the sides where it's, like, the Northeast Combine, uh, South Combine, North, and et cetera. And then there – you have scouts that go there too. And a lot of players that go to those combines, yes, they do get drafted, but for the most part, that's for the uh, supplementary draft. Uh, Most notably Josh Gordon, I think went in that draft and also like Terrell Pryor. So it's uh, I'm sure he'll get an invite and he'll definitely get an invite to a training camp because the kid ultimately someone's going to take a chance on him because the Duke could ball out plain and simple. Yeah. Um, You know, staying on college football, let's talk about the national championship uh, coming up. Alabama versus Auburn. Um, Georgia, first team to play this game in their home state since 2012. Uh, do we think that's going to play into this, or do we think Bama's just going to win another championship? You know, I, I – so Georgia, he, they were impressive when I, when I watched them play against Oklahoma, and they, they played well. I, I'm kind of rooting for Alabama, and I'm not one to usually root for the favorites. I'm usually an underdog type guy, but, man, this kid who said humble yourself to Baker Mayfield and who's getting all this praise because he said humble yourself to Baker Mayfield, I kind of want to see him get humbled because Baker Mayfield transferred schools. He was a, a walk-on on both schools, came back, won the Heisman, put up 52 on you, hung 52 on you, and you're yelling at him to, hang, to, to humble himself. Dude, he has nothing to hum- humble himself about. You need to humble yourself. And I think they are going to get humbled against Alabama. But if they're not, uh, the matchup I'm looking for is Alabama's front seven versus the Georgia running game. Uh, Sony Michelle, who had a big run, and Nick Chubb ran for 326 yards last game. 326 yards. They're going to have to do the same thing to have a chance. Uh, Alabama, that front seven, they've lost five linebackers – I'm sorry, seven linebackers to injury this season. Anthony Jennings, who – completely ruined that game uh, for Oklahoma. He made three tackles for loss and was an absolute force. He's hurt. He may not play. So if that running game could could really get going, uh, the way Alabama beat Clemson was by creating serious pressure on Kelly Bryant. And that's that's their whole forte. They're, they're really that defense that gets after the quarterback. And an effective running game basically negates a pass rush because you're going to have to contain and block those gaps. So when you are letting your strength not shine, I think that's the only way that Georgia has a chance. Um, but at, then again, a true freshman beating Alabama is going to be a, a tall, tall order. So Anthony Jennings, uh, you you said that he stopped Georgia. I think you meant that he stopped Clemson because he's the linebacker Clemson. on, Sorry, on yeah. Alabama. Yeah, uh, he's actually not playing in this college uh, championship game. Um, he's been the healthiest linebacker that they've had all year, had three tackles for loss in that game against Clemson. 
Georgia runs the ball 67% of the time, and Alabama gives up 2.7 yards per carry. Tim, you mentioned that dual-head monster on Georgia. They had over 300 yards and five touchdowns against Oklahoma. I'll bet whatever you guys want on the under by a wide margin on both. Um, <laughs> the only way you could beat Alabama is with a mobile quarterback. We say pretty much any time we break down Alabama featured in the game, the last one-dimensional offense that beat them without a mobile quarterback, you got to go back to South Carolina in 2010. Steven Garcia was the name of the quarterback. Um, I just think that, you know, another big story in this game, you got the student versus the teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, Kirby Smart is going up against Nick Saban. Nick Saban has been very outspoken about Kirby Smart being his favorite and most knowledgeable coordinator that he's had. He kept him on longer than he wanted. But then when a job opens up like Georgia, a potential top 10, 15 job in the country, you got to jump on that. Basically, my biggest takeaway from this game is Georgia is a lesser Alabama with a non-mobile quarterback. And I'm sorry, I don't, I don't think – I think it's going to – I think it could be a similar game to what you saw Alabama-Clemson this past week in the college football semifinals. Yeah, I agree with that. I think – look, Alabama is also very well rested. By the time they play – they will have played one game in the last 44 days. Mm. All right. So remember, they didn't play in an SEC title game. So when you're talking about who, like, this is a team that's <clears> going to have a bunch of NFL players, plus they're going to be completely rested. Uh, like you said, Kirby Smart is a former disciple of Nick Saban, and he stole from from Nick Saban. From yeah, he was he was a Bama recruit, and then jumped on board with uh, with uh, Kirby Smart when he went over there. Yeah, his dad was in the news the last few days saying, talking crazy about how Nick Saban was a weirdo and how he recruited him in a weird way. And he knew Kirby Smart was the guy in the recruiting. And, you know, Nick Saban is like Bill Belichick. He's not one to, um, he's not one to let his disciples get the better of him. And when, when you're talking about uh, Nick Saban against his disciples, I don't have the exact stat on me. I wish I did. But his record against former coaches that coached under him is Bill Belichickian. And like the same way that Bill Belichick has success against his former coaches. So I think that's going to also play a huge role. Like everything that Kirby Smart has up his sleeve, Nick Saban's probably going to have a, an answer for. Yo, you know what's crazy? You mentioned Belichick and Nick Saban. Did you guys know that they were uh, head coach and defensive coordinator on Cleveland in 1995? They went 5-11 <laughs> and, and got fired. Meanwhile... <laughs> Hugh Jackson just went one and thirty-one and got <laughs> re got an extension. Oh, so that God. goes to tell you, you know, this is uh, the Browns have been a shitstorm for about thirty years now. Yo, this is also the this is also sorry, Joe. This is also the anniversary of the day that Bill Belichick signed on to be the Jets head coach and then quit later that night. <laughs> Painful. Yo, I didn't one, even know that happened. Honestly, yeah, it's it was like one of those. I think it's been a thirty for thirty. Yeah, I think it's ninety. I think it was in '99. He quit on a napkin. That's great. What? Yeah, and then proceeded to shit on us for the next eighteen years. Love it. Yo, one last thing about this game. I think Tim, it was you that mentioned it, or it might have been Boss, about how Alabama last week. Well, the last two years, Deshaun Watson. They needed Clemson needed every bit of Deshaun Watson to beat Alabama, and you saw what a difference that dude is. Like, obviously, we saw it on a big stage in the NFL. He lit it up. Big Boss mentioned he had like 19 touchdowns in six games or some wild stat. But, you know, once once you saw that that was – because I think we were all on board with Bama winning, correct? Yeah. I think so. 
for the most part. Yeah, because I remember, Tim, you said how, oh, that means Clemson's going to win because we were all on Bama. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. far, we're, we're, we're 1-0 with that call. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a classic SEC game, uh, pound the rock. Look, if, if Georgia can run the ball, I think they'll be in line for success. But, you know, you have enough of a sample. This is like a 10-year sample size of you not being able to run on Alabama. I don't think it's going to change now. I got Bama winning comfortably. It's a four-point spread, if anyone was wondering. Um, the over-under is 45. I would like to mention a uh, correlated parlay is a nice little play this week. Uh, take the four points in Alabama and take the under. And I think you got yourself a nice little wager. Yeah, another thing that we didn't touch on is uh, Fromm's age. Like, this dude is a true freshman, came into the season as, like, a backup and then had to start playing in the first game. And he's won some big games and stuff, but this is also a kid. He's 19 years old. He's on the biggest stage, biggest game of his life, his career, and he's going to have to play perfect against Bama, which this is a team that their defense has forced at least one tur- turnover in 41 of the last 43 games. So if history repeats itself, there's going to be a turnover at some point. And, you know, if they can't get the running game going with Nick Chubb, uh, you know, they're going to have to rely on him. I don't know if – you know, a, a true freshman quarterback can is is going to be able to lift Georgia over Bama. Like, I just don't see that happening. I think you could you could clearly tell that there's going to be seven in the box as well. I'm uh, not seven. I'm sorry, eight in the box as well. Every time they're going to bring that safety help over the top, and it's, they're going to put the ball in the hands of Nick Fromm. There's no doubt about it. I'm sorry, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So when and they have a good secondary, Alabama. They got Fitzpatrick leading the charge over there, cornerback, and when. Can a true freshman beat a Nick Saban defense? Yo, you know how much I would love that too? Because this dude came in, he's behind Jacob Eason, goes down, and then wins, and then gets to the national championship and beats Nick Saban? Bro, fucking Bama's done after that. Oh, They're not, but in my eyes they are. Fun, fun fact about Fromm to the Little League World Series back in the day. Damn. So he's been in big games before. <laughs> fun fun fact about Fromm, probably has all the smoke shows in Georgia oh just my God. waiting. At 19, he can't even get into a bar, and he's just probably like in his fucking dorm room. He definitely can get into a bar. A hundred percent. I'll take That's a lot. <laughs> well, yo, I don't know. I don't know because LeBron, it was his birthday the other day, I believe, and he was saying how when he was like 20 years old, People wouldn't let him into clubs and shit because we're like, yo, LeBron, we know who you are. Like, we know you're not 21, so you can't come in. We'll lose our liquor license and shit. He's like, oh, fuck, man. And that's I mean, LeBron, so. LeBron's also 6'8". That's true. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hide him. <laughs> you can't hide him. Um, all right, cool. Uh, let's get to spitball here. Uh, we're going <laughs> to – oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yo, we're all going Bama, right? Correct? Yeah, oh, yeah. I th- I'm going Bama. I'll go Bama, and I'd even take that spread. I think the spread's five now the last time I checked, actually. I would have took eight. Yeah, it's a, I feel you, Joey. <laughs> five's, a, five's a dead number, though, right, Nick? Yeah, 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 Tim. There you go, catching on. Learning. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to spitball. Starting with, while you're watching, just remember. So while you're watching this beautiful national championship game with all these sponsors all over the place and these commercials that are going to cost a million and a half dollars a pop, just remember – that the NCAA had a revenue of over a billion dollars this year, and any player who tries to sell his autographed football to the game 
will cost the school a national championship, but will not cost any of the big money guys any money. Just sit on that while you're watching. <laughs> what are you telling us, Nike? On the Nike Soccer homepage, there was a link that says Coutinho's new look with Barcelona. Coutinho is rumored to sign with Barcelona in the foreseeable future. Currently is under contract with Liverpool, but he's oh, been shit. the Neymar replacement. So I don't know if Nike blew its load or Nike's trying to tell us something, but uh, quickly took it down from the soccer page. So it's going to be, you know, transfer windows coming up in the next couple of weeks. So it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. Oh, boy. Nike not only blew its load, it's cum is all over the place, and everyone knows the color now. Jesus. Very graphic. Wow. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> uh, quadruple double. Uh, there was a young lady who killed it this week. Her name is Shaquayla Hill. Uh, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and 10 steals in a Grambling State victory. Um, she is the first quadruple double in women's D1 in over 25 years. In almost 25 years, too. That's absurd. It's the 25th season since a quadruple double has been recorded. Christ. Uh, ouch, my hamstring. MVP frontrunner and Vegas favorite and should have been the reigning, defending, undisputed league MVP, James Harden, <laughs> will be out for two to four weeks with a hamstring injury. Have no fear because CP3 per 36 minutes is averaging 27 and 13, spearheading the Rockets offense to the best offense in the league. D'Antoni, the point guard whisperer. But it's going to be fun to see what happens with the MVP vote going forward. Hmm. Do you think that real quick, just a little, uh, you know, a little conversation here. Do you think that like, so like, all right, in the NFL, right? League MVP favorite and probably was going to get it was Carson Wentz. And then he misses the last three games. He's completely eliminated from the MVP vote now, right? The biggest favorite is Tom Brady because he played all 16 games. Gurley didn't play in that last game. So they're saying that that's going to be a black eye on his season. My question to you is, how many games is required for you to be an MVP? Because like, I think I think Harden now is probably going to end up playing 65, 70 games. And if someone like LeBron plays 78 or like a guy like uh, Giannis plays 82 and like Harden's numbers are better than these guys, his team is currently the best team in the NBA. Carson Wentz's team had the best record in the league. Like what's – what's the case with time missing? Because I think that's a joke that these guys are being hurt. These guys get hurt, and then you throw away their season because they didn't play enough games. I think in the NBA it's a little different. Uh, I, I would still vote for Harden if he played 65 games. Um, I would understand the arguments, though, to people who say, you know, this is a deterrent. Like, he only plays 65 games. I get it. But in the NBA, I wouldn't. For me, in, in the NFL, you got to be playing big games. Um, Carson Wentz is no longer an MVP consideration for me. Um, for me, my NFL MVP this year, if I had to pick one, is Todd Gurley. Um, yeah, I, I think it's different in every sport. In baseball, you know, it, like if you miss a few games, then you only have 480 at-bats compared to, you know, 600 at-bats for somebody else. Like it's unfortunate. It really is. But at the same time, you can't give the MVP to a guy – that was injured unless the Rockets turn around and go one and 16 in his absence. And then he comes around and, and leads them back again. Then it's going to be hard to say that him missing games wasn't actually helpful for his MVP candidacy. 
I don't think that really plays a, a factor in it for me. Like if it was me and I'm like, you know, let's say Carson Wentz uh, goes down and then they don't win a game. Like I'm not like, oh, well, then we got to give it to this guy because it's about performance. It's not necessarily about like your absence and what that does to the team. Like obviously he's very valuable. I mean, you're the quarterback. Every quarterback, even the shittiest one, is the most valuable player on their team. Uh, for me, though, someone like Carson Wentz, like I agree with Tim, like you have to be playing in big games. You have to win in big situations. Um, but if someone has to sit the last game of the year because their team – like they don't need them to play, they clinched or whatever. I don't think that should like that's a deterrent. Like that that's not a deterrent for me. Like I like that that would be all the more reason actually to be like, okay, this person is the MVP. Like, you know what I mean, I don't have to play in this game because we I played so well all year. You know? Remember the remember the suck for luck year where Peyton Manning went down and his team went from twelve wins to one win and it was just the Peyton Manning injury that was the difference? Mm-hmm. I said that if I was an NFL writer, I would like give my third place MVP vote to Peyton Manning. Right. But because when you show yourself to have value like that, that's really what most valuable players are supposed to mean at the end. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like you do reward people for performance and not absence. No, nah, I feel you. Tim, I, I felt the same way the year that Romo went down. You know, that was a 13-3 and three team. They went 2-14. and 14. And then they got Zeke and they got Dak. It's like the only difference was, was Romo. I believe that year in 2015 – they were the second Vegas favorite coming out of the NFC. And all you take, similar to Peyton Manning, all you take is Romo off that team, and you just see. I mean, look, Carson Wentz now, uh, I'm going to speak – I'm not going to speak for you guys, but that completely eliminates the Eagles from winning a Super Bowl, in my opinion. And you saw how bad their offense looked the last couple of weeks without him there. So you can make the case similar to what Tim said about James Harden. Like, if Harden misses 20 games and they go 3-17 and 17, – that's only that can only help his case, right? I mean, I also think that the Eagles are out of it, but you know, I don't whatever. think so either. Uh, no, I do think they are. I don't think so. Oh I man, I, I uh, listen. Whoever they play in the next round, Tim, you you could take the points with the Eagles. I'll take the other side. I'm telling you now, <laughs> doesn't matter. I, wh- whoever before, it is. Before before we get to the next round, let's talk about the wild card games. Uh, the first game we have here is the Titans at the Chiefs. Uh, what do you guys got? I think uh, if I can start this one off, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think because this matchup for Kansas City is not a great matchup, right? So one thing that Kansas City was really, really reliant on this year was big plays. That's something that they did better than anyone in the league. Alex Smith led the league with a 1.31, I'm sorry, 131.4 pass rating on deep balls. Uh, He finished third in the NFL with 13 passes of 40 yards or more. Kareem Hunt was number one in the NFL in runs of 20 yards or more. Tyreek Hill was number one in the NFL of catches of 40 yards or more. This is a team that is absolutely on big plays. And on the other hand, the Tennessee defense was number one against not letting big plays happen. They, they were number one. They had the least amount of big plays, only 40 big plays given up all year this year. On top of that, they were, the four, they were fourth in, NF, in the NFL in yards per carry at 3.6. They have a really, really, really good run-stopping D-line. Uh, Jarrell K- Casey was the best run-stopper in the AFC, according to PFS run-stop rate. Um, they have the seventh more, most QB pressures in the NFL. And we know that when the 
Chiefs went on their like little cold streak, that that was something that really affected them. The pressure on Alex Smith and the offensive line was having a, a big time trouble. Um, now I'm not going to go as far as saying Tennessee's going to win this game, but uh, if Tennessee was at home, I think I'm taking Tennessee over Kansas City here because that they play all of their strengths are the exact things that Kansas City depends on. Since week one of 2016, the Chiefs haven't allowed more than 21 points at home. And uh, the Titans play at one of the slowest paces in the NFL, so they don't really generate many plays in a league that features a lot of no huddle and a lot of quick, you know, teams get it off quick. Um, they're 27th in scoring. Uh, I agree with you, Tim, that if this game was in Tennessee, I'd feel a lot better. But I could say that pretty much about every matchup going forward in the playoffs. Um, the one concern I have with the Chiefs is the concern I've had with Alex Smith-led teams throughout his entire career. Uh, this time of the year, it gets a little nippy out. Um, they're expecting cold weather in Kansas City. Uh, it, it worries me. He's not a strong-arm quarterback. And another thing that worries me is that the Chiefs have a lot of ugly, ugly losses on their schedule. They lost to both New York teams. Uh, they lost at home to Buffalo when they were a 12-point favorite. And it's it, it all comes down to Kareem Hunt. Can Kareem Hunt be featured? And, you know, this is, uh, this is a tough matchup. Tennessee is a team that you don't want to attack on the ground. You want to attack them through the air. And it's it's a big concern for me because you've seen Andy Reid in the past. It's called, you know, it's Andy Reid. It, he's known for the running game for his in his game plan just disappearing. Like, he'll give Kareem Hunt five carries, and he, if he only has 11 yards, he'll be like, that's it. We're throwing the rest of the game. And we'll probably see two or three more touches the rest of the game. So that's a big concern for me is uh, Alex Smith and whether or not Andy Reid's going to stick to his game plan. I, I think yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. So I was going to say for me, you know, the Titans, there's nothing really crazy about them in my opinion. Like I don't even know how they're in this game, I'll be honest with you. Like to, to me, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Mar Marcus Mariota turns the ball over a lot and, and the Chiefs, create turnovers their defense and I think they're ranked seventh in the league uh right now uh for turnovers so that could be a big issue also like they can run the ball at times you know Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray or whatever the fuck they have going back there uh but their passing game has been like just subpar and you know the Chiefs have big name guys and big play guys you have Tyreek Hill you have Kareem Hunt Travis Kelsey these three guys alone on their team are big play guys that they can at any moment make a move or catch a pass or whatever, and they're over the top and they're scoring. Uh, I don't really see anybody really on the, the Titans that are like that. Uh, you know, you bring yeah, up a great point with the guys that you mentioned too. One argument you could make against me who just said that Alex Smith is a big concern is he hasn't had Kareem Hunt in the past. He hasn't had Tyreek Hill year two Tyreek Hill where last year he was a gadget player. Uh, it seemed like he was catching end arounds and he was returning punts. That was how he was producing the most. We know Dude, about and, Travis Kelsey, right. but for the most part, that's a tight end who you need to have threats on the outside to open up his game as well. And here's another thing too. Sorry, Tim. Here's another thing too. So if if Alex Smith is the problem, right? We don't want him throwing. He doesn't necessarily throw down field, whatever. He doesn't really have to with these weapons that he has. You turn around, hand that shit off to Kareem Hunt, who can also catch the ball out of the backfield, and then Travis Kelsey is a tight end. So that's the closest. Uh, that's the easiest throw to make for a quarterback because it is the closest. And Tyreek Hill, I mean, you could hand the ball off to him. You could throw him screens and stuff. He's a big play guy anywhere he goes. So 
you know, it just so happens that these three guys on their offense that are gonna big play guys for them, he doesn't really have to rely on his arm getting it downfield through defenders, making reads and shit. You can really throw screens, hand the ball off, and throw, you know, uh, eight-yard passes to Travis Kelsey all game. But that's the thing that worries me the most. If you're looking at Tennessee, Tennessee has given up the least big plays of anyone. How does a team that has a quarterback with 13 touchdowns and 15 interceptions make the playoffs? Well, the answer is simple. Their defense is one of the more underrated units in the league. They're fourth against the run. They don't give up any big plays. They're very much they're – the, they're the opposite of bend but don't break. They're – don't bend at all, motherfucker. And that's what they've been doing. And that's what – they've been holding a lot of teams to under their like – their yearly averages of points scored because of that defense. And if Alex Smith is cold and doesn't play to the highest level that he can because his highest level – is already not as good as the high-level quarterbacks that you need, right? I, he's, there's going to be trouble. But on the other side, in order for Kansas City to win, they're going to have to make – I mean, Tennessee to win, they're going to have to make plays. Derrick Henry looks like he's going to be the starter, and this is a move that I think should have been done a long time ago. But at the same time, last week against the Jaguars, he had 28 rushes for 51 yards. Now, the Jaguars are a really good defense, but 28 rushes for 51 yards, dude. He had, he had three rushes in the beginning of the game for negative 15 yards. That's unacceptable. The, the really big thing is going to be, look, Kansas City gives up big plays. They're like the exact opposite on defense as Tennessee. Can Marcus Mariota make a big play? Because the Chiefs get burned. Marcus Peters is the only person in that secondary who isn't in the bottom 20 in most yards per coverage snap. They get fucking annihilated through the air. And it's been a big problem since that first week when Eric Berry went down. So... I, I really do think that this game is going to come down to – I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, first of all, and I really think that Marcus Mariota, can he make a big play with his legs? Can he break one out big? Can he make a, like the defense spy him so hard and draw them in and hit a big screen? Or can he hit a big pass to like Corey Davis or Rashad Matthews on a play action? Remember, Rashad Matthews does have an 80, a 75-yard touchdown reception this year. So I think that if the Tennessee Titans could break off one, two, three, like really giant, huge plays against the Chiefs, I think they go in there and beat the. I think they go in there and beat the Chiefs, but uh, I, I, the likelihood of that happening because of the year that Mark, Marcus Mariota had is small. I, I give Kansas City a <coughs> an advantage in this game, but I think the advantage is much smaller than most people who are just casual NFL fans would think it is. I think the Titans are best uh, testing the Chiefs on the ground. Uh, they're the worst rush defense, according to DVOA, and they're 23rd against the pass. So, look, this might be another game where Derrick Henry gets 30 carries for 62 yards. Um, but they're going to have to. They're going to have to control the clock, too, keep that explosive offense on the sideline, keep Alex Smith cold. Gets a little nippy out there for Alex Smith. He might not be able to hold on to the ball and chuck it downfield. Man, it's a – you know – I like that they put this game on first so to get it out the way because it's a pretty ugly game, I yeah. think, at least. I got this sneaking suspicion, man, that Tennessee's going to win this game. I just... here's, the, here's the thing, though, about Tennessee. Like, I think their defense is deceptively ranked. Like, I don't think they're as good as they are. They played a lot of teams that you know are just not impressive, honestly. Like the Cardinals, like what, what have they done? The Bengals, Browns, Colts twice. They played the Texans without – uh Deshaun Watson Tom Savage was in there there's a lot of teams and like they're kind of like one game after the other two so if you kind of look at it you're like all right you could beat up on these teams but you also see games where they play 
good quarterbacks, and they get crushed. One of the Two. games with Watson early in the year, they put up Watson like 54 up 50, points. Yeah. 57 50, points. 57. They gave up 40 points to the Steelers. So it's like this, this team is prone to – when you play a good team, a good quarterback, you can be beaten. It's not – you know, I, don't, I think they're deceptively, you know, ranked and like their stats don't tell the same story because, I mean, this is the playoffs now. You're not playing – it's not regular season. It, everything is on the line. And like I said, I, when it comes down to it, the Chiefs – they are experienced in the playoffs, and they also just have playmakers on that team. And for me, that's one of the main things I look at in the playoffs is like experience and playmakers. If you have no playmakers on your team and there's no experience, it's like hard for me to, to believe that you're going to play up because you've never really been there. You know what I mean? Uh, you bring up a great point about the experience thing because their roster off the top, I know Logan Ryan played on the Pats all these years and like Eric Decker. Um, I can't really think of any other guys off the top. I'm sure there might be a couple more sprinkled in, but and like Delaney Walker, those are the only guys with like playoff experience and deep playoff runs in their careers. Uh, what, about, Mark, what about Brian Arakpo? Did he Arakpo? Yeah, he was on the team with uh, with RG three and Alfred Morris. RG 3s rookie year, he was on that Redskin team. I remember that's Josh's like boy. He loves Brian Arakpo. But yeah, I mean, we're struggling to name five players that have been playing in January. You know, so. I do think that Eric Decker is in line for a, probably a nice nice game here. Uh, Nelson, the corner for the Chiefs, is one of the worst-rated slot corners. And Decker's been getting a lot more of the target market share the last couple of weeks. So hopefully we see uh, his great, great wife put up a nice uh, picture of him again. BDD. Oh, my God. No, I, I just think – but that's another thing, too. Like, if you have to rely on Eric Decker, who's been relatively quiet the entire season – you're in trouble. Kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. hear you. Taylor, uh, Taylor Lewan is going to be an X factor as well. He has to play. He's suffering an injury. He has to play. He has to play very well. That's the offensive left tackle for the Tennessee Titans. He is a absolute X factor. I would not be surprised if the Titans score less than ten points in this game. I would be. Um, all right. Next game we have here: Falcons at Rams. Who do you guys got? I would like to ask a question for this one. Here we so, go. Is this game so last year these two teams played these two teams played and Atlanta blew the roof off uh the Rose Bowl. Um I think it was like 44 nothing at one point. My question is this is this a revenge game or is this a thank you game? <coughs> the reason why it might be a thank you game is Jeff Fisher was fired moments after this game and it jump started where we are now with the Rams. So what do you think, Tim? Is this a revenge game that they got blown out, or is this thank you, you got rid of Jeff Fisher in that 7-9 record? Honestly, I think it's a neither game, and I think that that's the best way to approach it because this is a whole new Rams team, man, and they have a whole new identity. They have a, a whole new everything about them. This is a team that went from Jeff Fisher's boring ass. And before I, and before I talk about that, how about the black Jeff Fisher getting his job back? Marvin Lewis. What is going on? Oh, I was so what confused. <laughs> Yo, I saw that and I was dying. I was like, what is going on? I got two years, right? Yeah, he's Jeff, he's Jeff Fisher. Yo, Except- yo I, saw, I saw a dude with a blue check and he was like, he quoted it and was like, yo, he definitely has his sex tape on one of the owners. There's no other reasoning behind it. And I was like, yo, he definitely listened to the show because we've been saying this for years now. Yeah, I was saying somebody got fucked. <laughs> yeah, anytime you can understand something, just go to the – it's either money or someone's got a fuck tape on you. Yeah, but, uh, a fuck tape. For for this game though, um, 
listen, my hate for the Atlanta Falcons has been well-documented. Um, the Atlanta Falcons did not play well against the Carolina Panthers. It's just that Cam Newton played one of the worst games I've ever seen by a professional quarterback last week. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But look, Atlanta's defense has been really good this season, especially that front se- front seven. Um, three points, I think, three times this year. Uh, they're about to give up 30 points for the fourth time. Because uh, there is their their defense needs to be relied on, and their offense is just not good enough to score at the Rams. The Rams are averaging 30 points per game. The Falcons haven't scored over 25 points in six straight weeks. Um, they have no answer for Todd Gurley. They have no answer for that passing attack. Uh, this is one of the ones where I think it's going to be over around four minutes left in the third quarter. Yo, but hold on. Their defense, right? Only Brian Hoyer two for 300 yards on this Falcons team and only Carson Wentz and Dak threw more than two touchdowns. So I think that their defense is a little bit better than what you're making them out to be. But I do think that this is a Rams team that's clicking on all cylinders and the matchup is going to be hard across the board. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Gurley last year, he, so last year he had one more carry than this year. Do you know how many more yards he had this year with one less carry than last year? I know the answer to this because I went over it in Brodo yesterday, so I'm not going to say it. Joey, do you happen to know? 400. Yeah, it's it's 400 more yards, which is crazy. Like, that just goes to show yes. you. How... <laughs> I keep winning. <laughs> that, goes to, that goes to show you how, like, efficiency is key, right? He had one more carry last year than he did this year. And last year we were saying, oh, man, from rookie of the year to fantasy bust, uh, NFL bust, he's going to be out the league soon. And. Yo, that's what happens when you put a, a young coach, offensive-minded, with a young quarterback. It opens up the offense. Gurley doesn't see many eight, nine-men boxes because you have to worry about Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup on the outside. So I think that this is going to be this is going to be a fun matchup, and I think this is going to be the game of the week, if you ask me. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. This could be the – you know what it is? The, the Panthers and Saints game that we're going to get to in a little bit, like that, I feel like – is the closest matchup or whatever, but this could be like the most exciting game, I think, on the slate. You guys are thinking about an Atlanta offense that was last year. Now, I'm not saying Atlanta's defense is not good. Like, they were eighth in the league. They're a good defense, and they have a really good front seven. Adrian Claiborne gets out to the quarterback. We, We all know that, and they have a really good front seven that does a lot of things, and they really got to Cam last game. Like, Cam was never comfortable in that pocket, and they caused havoc back there. The problem is that this is not... This is the Rams we're talking about. This is the number one offense in the league. And number one offenses in the league don't get shut down by the sixth seed in the, in the wild card round. Yeah. They lost uh, Adam Levitri, the left guard. He got sent on IR. He was battling a tricep injury. He played in that last game against the Panthers. Um, now you got Aaron Donald going up against a backup. So that's probably going to be bedtime. Um, and also, I think I think another storyline. I gotta give a I gotta give a shout out to our boy Allen. We've had him on the podcast a lot, and he's a big Falcon fan. He said, "Dude, probably the biggest mismatch at coaching in the entire playoffs is going to be Wade Phillips's defense against Steve Sarkeesian's offense." Mm-hmm. Think about that. Like Sark is getting a shitload of heat for the fall off from an MVP year that Matt Ryan had to. Basically, he's like Ryan Tannehill this year. You know, he's not really lighting it up. Or just Matt Ryan. Or just, yeah, or just <laughs> Matt Ryan. Last year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, 
it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. But you know what? I'm I'm still holding on. Uh, one of my hot takes coming into the year was that, you know, we were going to see three teams from the NFC South making the playoffs. We got three teams. Granted, the team I had winning came in last, and the team <laughs> I had last ended up winning. But I think this is going to be fun. And, look, uh, Atlanta's not going to have to worry about the weather which is going to be a nice factor for them. It's going to be like 75 degrees over there. And let's see what the L.A. crowd is going to be like. You know, L.A. gets a lot of heat. Their fan base gets a lot of heat because, you know, a lot of times this year no one's in the stands or you see the other team's jerseys in the stands way more than you should. So it's going to be fun. I think this is a nice this – is, this is my game of the week. You know what's crazy? I think at the beginning of the year, I said that I didn't like the Rams because of that, because they don't have any uh, home games. I think what happened is it has become almost a positive. This is a team that finished with, a, with an 11-5 and record who basically didn't play a home game all season. That's a scary team going into the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that what the only problem with the Falcons is they, they rack up a lot of yards. They move the ball, but they can't get in the end zone. And if you can't get in the end zone in the playoffs, especially against a team like this, which is very efficient and at one point was the highest scoring team in the, in the league, you, you could run into trouble. Uh, but I'm, I'll, I'm going Rams here. Yeah, me too. Uh, we'll save that for later, dog. Come on now. <laughs> uh, all right, next thing we have here is the Bills at the Jags. We got to show love to Bill's Mafia because we got a crazy tweet from like a fan. And it was like, yo, if you guys don't show love to Bill's Mafia, there's some shit you guys, I don't know, something like that. But he was like, yo, y'all better show us some love. We've been struggling for like 17 years. Uh, Bill's Mafia, actually, they were donating $17 to Andy Dalton's charity. And the reason why they picked 17, because that was, you know, it was the last time they were in the playoffs. So shout out to that fan base. I'm sure they got the tables lined up. I would love to pick them to go through because I would just love to be on Twitter for that and just see all the videos going around. Oh, my God. With that said, um, I think this game has blowout written all over it. Oh, yeah. Um, Bills have five double-digit losses this year, and they just have a ton of bad losses also. Um, The biggest X factor, as he always is, and I mention it every time we talk about the Bills, is McCoy. McCoy is worried that he might not be able to cut the way he wants to cut this week. The way you beat the Jaguars is on the ground because their pass defense is so good. But their run defense has gotten a lot better. They are eighth in the NFL since week nine. I believe that's when they made the trade for Marcel Darius. Revenge game? Revenge game. Yeah, exactly. How many times have you seen uh, a team trade in the NFL, number one? You rarely see it, but they trade and the entire defensive landscape for both teams changed, and now they're going to play each other. So that's going to be fun. But McCoy's the X factor, I think, for both sides of the ball. And he's hurt. Yeah, exactly. He might might not play. And just in case you were wondering how good the Jacksonville defense is, before I get into that, actually, the guy you were talking about, Justin Washington, that's my guy. Super woke. Super woke. Yeah, me and him have like outside of sports conversations on on Twitter sometimes. But anyway, um, Jacksonville's defense, second in total defense, first in pass defense, second in scoring defense, second in sacks, second in interceptions, fourth in fumbles recovered, second in scoring defense. I already said that. This one is going to be a blowout. We don't need to spend much much time on this. Bills Mafia, congratulations for making the playoffs. Um, Unfortunately, that's going to be it. But shout out to Bills Mafia who – 
raised over $100,000 in donations for the Andy Dalton donation by uh by um oh how what was the fourth what was the fourth down conversion fourth and 12 to uh, 12. to Boyd by I why I believe giving $12 donations each for that fourth and 12 conversion so shout out to uh the Bills Mafia for turning uh, that into a super positive and, you know, being the fan base that we all love. And no one has a problem with the Bills fans, that's for sure. But the Bills team, on the other hand, uh, this one's going to be ugly. Shout out to Tim to completely disregarding everything I said about the charity to start because I said how they're donating $17 for donation. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but, yeah, yo, I, I don't, I don't want to spend much time on this one. It's going to be fun. Um, Sunday. Yeah, the, the Bills are just too vanilla for me. There's, they're they're like kind of one-dimensional. And, I mean, they, like it goes back to the playmakers thing and the experience thing. Uh, for me, and not that the Jags have much experience, but they have a bunch of playmakers on both sides of the ball on that team, and they have a young guy like Keelan Cole and shit, and that guy Mickens. Like these dudes are coming out of the woodwork and just performing, like their first game in and shit. So I mean, I, I like the Jags uh, in this game handily. They they might be getting some reinforcements too. It looks like Marquise Lee is going to play, and Alan Hearns. They've both returned to practice this week. Um, still questionable as their status, but it's more towards them playing than them sitting out again. Uh, I have a question for you guys. The Jaguars have been on cruise control for about a month now. Do you think that that's going to play a role with them? Because they haven't really needed to, you know, go all in the last, like, month because they've clinched their seating. They were locked in. Could you see a little, you know, a slow start or something? Uh, 100%. Like- I think it, when it comes to the, to the NFL and the playoffs, you can get caught – just and lose you could lose if you're like that especially if you're a team that doesn't have playoff experience you're a team that is a perennial loser uh well at least in my lifetime kind of uh but if you don't know the difference between playoffs and regular season right you just haven't experienced that that could be tough you know you talk about a team like the like the the patriots you're not worried about them they clinch in week fucking four and you're like whatever and then they play up in their playoff game it's fine but a team like the Jags, where it's like you've been on cruise control, I can see that happening, especially because you're playing against a team that was fighting for their life to get into the playoffs. So it's like they know what's at, at stake. So you can't take your foot off the gas at all, especially against a, a, a team like the Bills. Even though you know they're clearly the less talented team in this game, they're going to be playing hard. And if if you are off your game or you're just like – just I don't know what it is, but you could get caught like that and actually lose. <laughs> but I, I don't think that will will be the case. But it could happen. I mean, you'd have to be you'd have to be like ignorant to not think that it's within the realm of possibilities for that to happen. But at the same time, you know, they brought in Calais Campbell, who has made a deep run in the playoffs before. Uh, they brought in AJ Boye, who uh, won a playoff game last year with the Texans. So when you're talking about uh, some playoff experience, they do have a little bit of that coming in, and I. They might start slow, but I don't see the Bills being able to take advantage of a slow start. I just don't see the Bills having enough, especially with Shady injured. And he might not even play. And if he does play, he's going to be hobbled on a bad knee, which is something that you don't want if you're obviously a runner. So Also Malik, Malik Jackson, too. He won a Super Yo. Bowl with the Broncos. So you got to throw him in there with playoff experience. Joe, a, a way more important question, though. What the fuck is that behind you? This thing? What is the, no no the, this thing you got on your piano here? Is this like oh. a this like a picture of you? No, some guy he made this thing. It's like it's like layered. It's made out of wood. It's like it's Uh-oh. crazy. 
Yo, that's incredible. I just put it there. I'm about to say, that's it. They, from, from like through the computer screen in the background, just like you just got a picture of yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> on your piano. No, no, no. I promise oh, that's not the case. All right, all right, all right. Um, all right. Uh, so I'm going to go Jags in this game. Yeah, Jags, Jags to win. Sweeped it up. Uh, last game we have here, Panthers at the Saints. This one's going to be a fun one because the question that you have to ask here is not which team is better because I think – Anybody who's looking at this team can say the Saints are the better team and they're playing at home. Question is, can you beat the same team three times in a season? That's a hard thing to do. Um, the Saints are going to be playing the Panthers, obviously, for the third time this season. Uh, they beat them twice in some pretty, you know, solid victories, double-digit victories. Um, for me, the X factor in this game is going to be uh, on the field, at least, is going to be Cam Newton. Cam mm-hmm. Newton played one of the worst games I've ever seen by a professional last week. Uh, he targeted Greg Olson something like 14 times, and he had one catch. Um, the the throws that he was making were not even close. Um, he showed no urgency whatsoever. Now, like I've said before, Cam Newton tends to not show up in games that he does not deem important. Um, if he doesn't deem this game important, then I don't know what the fuck you're looking at. Um, I think another factor on the Saints side is the loss of Kenny Vaccaro. I think that's something that uh, went overlooked uh, going into last game against the Bucks. Chris Godwin really lit up this lit up the stat sheet against Ken Crowley because Marshawn Lattimore is so good. Uh, Ken Crowley always had Vaccaro up there for safety help on that right side of the defense, and you saw Chris Godwin take him over the top a couple of times, including on the uh, game-winning touchdown that they lost to last week. So I think that that could be a factor going forward. But if I'm looking at the Panthers, I don't see a number two receiver that's going to be able to take advantage of that matchup. So I like this. I like the saints to, to win this game, but I think because it's the same team three times and these teams are so familiar with each other. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close one. I, I think it's going to be a really, really close game, but I think the saints pull it out. I think the biggest, uh, X factor in conversation, Tim. You you hit the nail on the head there. It's uh, what cam am I getting? If I know what Cam Newton I'm getting, I'd be confident in picking an upset here. But I don't know. Um, like you said, it's very hard to beat a team three times, and this is the the task at hand for the New Orleans Saints. Um, this backfield though is tremendous. Uh, Kamara and Ingram. I think first time in NFL history that two running backs had over 1,500 yards from scrimmage together. And it seems like more and more Kamara is like climbing up where he's getting a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more every game. And uh, I forgot who I was listening to. I believe it was Bill Simmons. He said, I'm just, it'd be pretty fun to just see them unleash Kamara. And you could definitely see it where like they just hide him, not hide him. I mean, you know, the guy is the clear rookie of the year, but give him like a 25 touch game out of nowhere and just see how they utilize him. Um, Mike Thomas might be in line for a big game also. He's been a Panther killer his whole career. And I think now you get him. Last week he was coming into the game hobbled against the Tampa Bay Bucks. He played 92% of the snaps. And this week he plays back at home, uh, though he is a better wide receiver on the road than he is at home. The Greg Olson stat was is very alarming to him. I didn't know that he got targeted that much. I saw his uh, box score and he had one catch. But, damn, 14 targets and – I know that's your dog, but you got to hate your dog too, man. Yeah. I mean, 
Listen, Luke Keekley has played in both these games too. So one of the main factors that when you're looking at the Carolina Panthers that you should know is with Keekley, without Keekley. He's a that big of an X factor. And they had him in both games that they played. And uh, Ingram and Kamara both ran at a, over six yards a carry average. And they had 100 yards receiving too. So they have played the Panthers at their best. And they have beat the Panthers at their best. and I, it's really hard for me to pick a team to beat another team three times. Like, that's the only reason why I'm, I'm a little hesitant on this game. But I, I think the Panthers keep it close. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. Remember, the Panthers are the second-place team in this division, and they got beat out by the Saints. So that has to play a role. The Saints, also, the Saints defense also, the last time they played the Panthers, the Panthers were on a four-game winning streak and just came off two games where they scored 45 and 35 back-to-back. They stopped that winning streak, held them to 21, and then the Panthers won three of their uh, their next games, scoring 31 points in two of those games. So the Panthers, they got the Panthers in the Panthers' hottest streak and still beat them handily, and they are getting the Panthers way past their hottest streak now. So, you know, anything can happen, but I, I like the Saints in this game, but I like it to be a close game. I also think that playing three times against a team, is, you know, that benefits both teams, you know, because you, you get to, I mean, you get the same benefits to me, you know what I mean? And it's the playoffs. It's not like this is the regular season where you're getting the third game. It doesn't like whatever, you know, whatever. This is the playoffs. Like that shit, those little stats, I don't think those little like trends, I don't think really matter in a playoff game. Everyone's playing to the highest potential possible. It's win or go home. Uh, with the saints too. I feel like this team is so dynamic. You have two players in the backfield that, can catch, can run, and they do just that no matter who is in front of them. And let's not forget, this is Drew Brees. Like, they haven't even, like, turned him loose yet, let him throw 55 times in a game or some wild shit. So you can always turn around and do that. I mean, if a team is clearly ga- game planning for these two guys in the backfield, like, okay, let's just stack the box or whatever, you got Drew Brees who's, you know, he's been in the playoffs. He's done it. Like, he can, he can win games with his arm. You know, and Michael Thomas and shit. So it's like this. T- it's hard to game plan for a team like this because it's like you have to account for those two running backs in the backfield. And if you do, now Drew Brees is fucking making calls at the line and throwing it to Michael Thomas over the top. So against- And also, what about this? Ready for this, Tim? Ted Ginn revenge? Ooh. I'm with, it. I'm with it, especially because number two receiver is something that would really, I mean, I think swing the edge to the Panthers in this game. Uh, they just don't have that. They don't have anyone of note to be to take that role. Uh, ever since Curtis Samuel went down, it's been no production at that spot. Well, nah. And, to be fair, the dude uh, Demir Bird was kind of coming into his own, and then he got hurt too. So they've just been snake bit at that position. Curtis Samuel went down. Demir Bird went down, and it's just been you know they got rid of Kelvin Benjamin. It's pretty much been Funches and Olsen. Yeah. So no one, no one of note there to take that spot. Okay. No. The Panthers secondary also sucks. I just yeah. put that in there like you guys they are they have been really really bad. And Drew Brees can pick apart good defenses. This one's yeah. a bad. And for the most part the, the Panthers play zone, which is in the past uh Drew Brees has been able to pick apart zones like with no problem. And another thing to note also is that it's hard to beat this team when your number one receiver is Devin Funches, especially when he's lined up across Marshawn Lattimore, who is phenomenal. So it's like, shut down this guy. You have 
then you have Greg Olson, and then what do you have in that two spot? You know what I mean? And then we, you got to count on – like Christian McCaffrey is, is a solid player. Uh, I don't think he's a, a, a game changer or anything or going to put up 200 yards and two touchdowns or anything like that. Uh, Jonathan Stewart had that one game where he went crazy. Uh, I don't don't know, remind just, me. Don't remind me, please. I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> There's just not enough there for me to, to, to pick them. The, the Saints were hot all year. The defense got better. Uh, like I said, Marshawn Lattimore is going to shut down Devin Funches, so it's going to be on Cam Newton to just kind of find spots and, and, and do what he does. And, you know, he's capable. He's very capable. He's Superman, you know what I mean? Like, he can make plays. He can make it happen. But it's unlikely to me. The Saints team seems like they've been on a mission since week one. So I'm going Saints here. I think the Saints, I think the Saints take it out as well. Yeah, I think, I think the Saints win also. Um, all right, so let's let's get to confidence picks. So before we move on to the confidence picks, I just want to announce that back to back, <laughs> your boy has the best record. You know what? You know it. The spreads. You know, you got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> back to I, back. I got all that shit talk from Tim all fucking year. He's, I'm coming. And then he didn't. Yeah, still waiting on Tim. I got to say, look, my model is simple on this show. Anyone but Tim. Tim didn't win. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yo, look, look all I got to say is this. I started out 12 games under 500. Real, real bad record in the beginning. Came back. I'm, I finished two games under 500. Not too bad. Not too bad. But, you know, as long as I'm not in last place. Who was in last place by any chance? Can you do you remember? Who had the people? Oh, oh, hold on. Do you guys hear that? Wait a minute. Oh Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> now, why why would I be playing that if I came in last? Because I came in first in the VM Fantasy League. <laughs> I brought home the title. I represent the brand better than any of you guys because last year – uh, I forgot who won it, but it wasn't one of us. So respect Baldo. me. Respect, respect me. <laughs> it was Maldo. You don't remember? MP was like, yo, you think Maldo's the best fantasy player of all time? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. it was Maldo, and then man. he fucking yeah, yeah. sucked it up this year. Yeah, yeah. He's a good so, fantasy player, though. The, the, the champ is here. <laughs> um, all right. So, Nick, why don't you give us your confidence pick? So right, let me just explain. So what we do with the playoffs now is every week we're going to have confidence picks instead of just picking. We're going to pick every single game. And then you get points based on where you, how confident you are. So it's four, three, two, one. Whatever game you're most confident in, you nominate that for your fourth, uh, your four spot. And if you win, you get four points, and so on and so forth. And then at the end of the play, after the Super Bowl, really, uh, you tally all that up, and then that'll be the playoff champion. So Nick, who do you have? So I'll start with my least confident. My uh, one pointer is going to be the Panthers plus seven. Um, I think this game is going to stay close. I like the points here in a matchup where teams are going to play for the third time. Uh, I'm just hoping that I get Superman cam and pissed off cam. So I'm going to take the seven points there. Next up, my two-pointer is the Titans plus nine. I think that's a lot of points to give up for a Kansas City team that I'm still a little iffy about. And, you know, I know the Titans are no juggernaut, but I think nine points is a lot in this matchup. Uh, My third pick, and I think this is where I'm going to either make ground or bury myself. I got the Falcons winning outright, so I'm definitely taking the points at plus six. Um, I'm still holding on hope. I know so far up until this point, Tim, for the most part, has been right about the Falcons. But, look, they didn't make the playoffs. So I'm going to hold on to that plus six. 
My favorite pick of the weekend, and I think I might not be alone here. If I am alone here, I think you guys are idiots. Uh, Jaguars minus nine. Uh, I'm imagining 44 to three kind of game. I think it's going to get ugly. Jesus. I think, you know, especially if McCoy's out, I can see this line moving into double digits. So get it while you can, Jaguars minus nine. All right. And uh, wait, I have boss's picks. Let me just read these real quick. Uh, okay, boss. His four is Kansas City minus seven. That's his most confident pick? That's his most confident pick. It's at nine, though. It's nine. It's at nine. Yeah, I'm sorry. So then he has that. His next pick is New Orleans minus seven. This is like, this is crazy. This is completely Um, opposite of what I picked both in rankings and, uh, and like he took the other team. I, I made sure. I was like, wait, are you like this? What? Yo, shout out to Boss, by the way. Took down that pick'em pool that he was in. Right. I was going to say that before, but I forgot. I was going to say, you know who else is like a big fan of fucking Andy Dalton? Boss. Yeah, Boss got the juice, too. I think he had. He was like 45 games over 500, and he had to pick every, every single game. game. So shout Crazy. out to him. Yeah. Uh, next game, he has Atlanta getting the points. And he's also taking Buffalo getting the points. Wow. That's a good one. I think Boss is going to be in trouble. But, hey, what do I know? <laughs> if, he, if he hits on these games, we probably won't be able to catch him because yeah, I don't think yeah. anyone has these in this order. Uh, Tim, what do you have? Um, my one-point game, my least confident, just like Nick, is going to be Carolina plus seven at New Orleans. I got New Orleans winning this game, but I think it's going to be a really close game. Everything that Nick said, just ditto. Um, my two-point game is Tennessee plus nine at Kansas City. Uh, I went over before in the game breakdown why I think Kansas City is going to keep this one. I mean, Tennessee is going to keep this one close and maybe even sneak out a close victory against Kansas City. Um, I think nine is a giant spread that needs to be uh, bet on very heavily. Um, three point. My three-pointer is the Jags minus nine versus Buffalo. Just like Nick said, this game has 45 to three written all over it. And my four-pointer, my most confident pick is the Rams minus six versus the Falcons. I do not think the Falcons have the offense to stay with the um, – okay, then – to stay with the uh, the uh, the Rams. <laughs> the, uh, the uh, yeah, yeah. Well, when you type things in the chat, and I, I'm over here <laughs> reading, I have a dirty ass. <laughs> I was supposed to be making picks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Joey, what are your picks? Um, so I'm also taking the Panthers. I just I, I think that those two teams, like like I said, we played played them three times. They're very familiar with each other. I think it's going to be a close game. Seven's a lot of, a lot to give in that game, so I'll take the Panthers getting points. Uh, then my two is also the Titans uh, getting nine. Nine to me is just like a ton of points for a playoff game. Um, like I don't know. I just even though I'm not crazy about the Titans and I do see them definitely losing, I think it's not hard in a playoff game to, you know, you're fighting for your life until the last whistle. So nine points, I'll take that. Uh, then my, th- my three is the Rams minus six for the reasons that we talked about before. And then my most confident is also the Jags minus nine. So pretty much the same as Nick, except for the Rams game. He's got Atlanta. I got LA. Uh, but yeah, that's what I get. That's it. Joe, and, uh, that ass in the playoffs, boy. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is our show for this week. I hope the webcam wasn't too crazy and the audio comes out clear. Uh, I'll do my best to fuck with that. 
Uh, but Nick, where can they find you? LambiM10 on all social media, uh, at Degeneration Bet on Twitter for Degeneration Bets. We're going to continue the DFS Fridays theme going into wild card and divisional round weekend. And yeah. Uh, Tim? At Tim Patrop on all social media, but only if you're feeling real, real frisky. At Brodo Fantasy. Uh, for all of your yearly fantasy leads, obviously yearly fantasy is over, but we're still keeping it fresh. Uh, we have an award show with award nominations in our last episode. We recorded it just like this uh, because of the weather. Um, you guys are going to decide who wins these awards, and uh, we're going to do it on Twitter. Follow at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter to make your voice heard, baby. <laughs> and you guys can follow Boss on all social media at ndevito 27 um, and you guys can follow me at Joe Santagato and go, don't forget to follow the show, our Twitter at veterans minimum and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash veterans minimum. And yeah, that is all. Stay warm. Happy new year and shit. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Doing good. Every year, compliance regulations change thousands of times. And every year, ADP makes thousands of seamless platform updates so businesses can focus on everything else, like running their business. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.